Thank you for joining us for the morning reporting. I'm John Johnson, and I'm here in Fresno to talk with the former Muppet Madness historian. His name is the artist formerly known as the official Muppet Madness historian. Mr. Historian, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's a delight to be <laughs> Mr. Historian, the news of your firing seems to have really hurt you. Tell us, how did it feel when you got the phone call and learned you were no longer the historian for the tournament? Oh, it was dreadful. There was this long, dreary silence as I waited for Steve Swanson, the fellow who runs the tournament, you see, to say he was just kidding. Mm -hmm. But then I realized he wasn't being silent. He had just hung up after saying I was fired. And then I took a moment to process what I had just heard so I wouldn't get all emotional. And then I shot my cat. I haven't stopped crying since. I see. And had you considered growing a pair? You know, what I don't understand is how they thought they could go on without me. I was handpicked by God to be the Muppet Madness historian, and without me, the Muppet Madness tournament just isn't real. It may have the same name and web address, and it may function precisely the same way, but it's not really the Muppet Madness tournament, not without me. I see. And did they give any indication of why you were fired? I think it had something to do with the fact that they were unwilling to give me everything I wanted. I really don't think complete creative control over the tournament was too much to ask for, but now we'll never know because I'm no longer the mother. Well, Mr. Historian, I'm afraid I'm just out of patience of time. Yes, I, I'm out of time, folks. Thank you for joining us today. Now, as per contract, I am getting final say on the edit, yes? It's over! It's done! Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new Muppet Madness champion, thanks to your votes. And the man of the hour, the monster of the hour, is the one and only Cookie Monster. The hour has has finally come for the most popular monster of today's pop culture. He beat out some very worthy contenders, not just this week, but in every round of the tournament. And we'll talk about all of it right now. From the Muppet Cast, the Fan Press Podcast, Southern Rocket, and LA's own Beatle Band Get Back, I am your host, Steve Swanson. And I am your other host, your lovable host, J.D. Hansel. Lovable for this week from MuppetHub.com, no less. Well, you know, I get around. I'm not just limited to Muppet Hub. No, no, no. You you do have about 17 different podcasts that you haven't True. mentioned yet. But, but most True. of them are run from the Muppet Hub iTunes feed, which you should be subscribed to right now. Yeah, most of them you'll find on MuppetHub.com, where the Muppetational comes together. It does indeed. It's coming together right now today for the Muppet Madness Tournament. My email, by the way, is me, M-E, at MuppetCast.com if you want to reach out. And my email address is me, M-E, at MuppetHub.com, by the way, if you want to reach out. And the Muppet Madness Tournament, by the way, if you want to go and look at how all the voting went, is MuppetTournament.com. It will remain there even though it's all over. It's all done. It's all she wrote, but it's all still going to be there until next year's tournament at MuppetTournament.com. You can still tweet the tournament and check out all of our social media at Muppets2018. And this week, it is a celebration of the monster that is Cookie. The studio here is a buzz with excitement. I don't know if you can hear all this happening behind me right now and more cookies than you could ever imagine all around me. We've got, I mean, chocolate chip cookies, macadamia nut cookies, oatmeal cookies, peanut butter raisin cookies, rainbow swirl with M&Ms and Skittles cookies, cookies shaped like cupcakes, cupcakes shaped like cookies, dogs and cats living together cookies, our pets' heads are falling off cookies, so I've got that going for me, which is nice cookies. What about Bob cookies? Peoples as Peoples cookies, Peoples as Cookies cookies, Soylent Green as People cookies, you maniacs, you blew it up, darn you all the heck cookies, and I'll give you my gun when you pry it from my cold dead hands cookies. It is Cookie Pandemonium Express here at Swanson Studios West. J.D. Hansel, can you give us a sense of the excitement at Hansel Hub? I mean Muppet Hub. Yes, Steve, it is just the same here as it is there. We have people screaming, and that's it. It is really, really exciting. (laughs) Just... Just screaming, huh? For no particular reason. All right. Okay, well, I thought since this is Cookie Monster's day the International Day of Cookie Monster, that we might just take a moment and explore the history of this obviously beloved character, see where he came from, see how he got to where he is today, and maybe where he's going. 
And where else to go for the best resource for Muppet history than Muppet... Sorry, I mean the Muppet Wiki. The Muppet Wiki. And looking at the Muppet Wiki, Jim Henson's Designs and Doodles, a wonderful book, explains Cookie Monster's early life. In 1966, Henson drew three monsters who appeared in a General Foods commercial that featured three crunchy snack foods, wheels, crowns, and flutes. Each snack was represented by a different monster. The Wheel Stealer was a short, fuzzy monster with wonky eyes and sharply pointed teeth. The Flute Snatcher was a speed demon with a long, sharp nose and wind-blown hair. And the Crown Grabber was a hulk of a monster with a Boris Karloff accent and teeth that resembled giant knitting needles. These monsters had an insatiable appetite for the snack foods they were named after. Each time the Muppet narrator, a human-looking fellow, fixes himself on a tray of wheels, flutes, and crowns, they disappear before he can eat them. One by one, the monsters sneak in and zoom away with the snacks. Frustrated and peckish, the narrator warns viewers that these pesky monsters could be disguised as someone in your own home, at which point the monsters briefly turn into people and then dissolve back into monsters again. As it turns out, the commercial was never aired, but all three monsters had a future in the Muppets. The crown grabber was used in an Ed Sullivan show sketch in which he ruins a girl's beautiful day. Known from then on as Beautiful Day Monster, he made a number of appearances on Sesame Street and The Muppet Show. The flute snatcher turned into a background monster from the great Santa Claus switch and The Muppet Show. And then there's the wheel stealer, who was destined for greater things. In 1967, Henson used the Wheel Stealer puppet for an IBM training film called The Coffee Break Machine. In the sketch, the monster devoured a complex machine as the machine described its purpose and construction. His greed gets the better of him, however, as the machine's recording continues within his stomach, announcing that it is wired to self-destruct. The monster promptly explodes. The sketch was also performed in October 1967 on The Ed Sullivan Show. Two years later, a similar-looking puppet, without the teeth, was used for three commercials selling Munchos, a Frito-Lay potato chip. This time, the monster was called Arnold. After the three ads were produced, Henson had the opportunity to renew the contract, and he chose not to, because at that point, he was working on Sesame Street, and that monster puppet was moving on to the next stage in his career. The monster gained his signature blue fur when he first appeared on Sesame Street as a generic unnamed character with an undefined personality. Early on in the show's first season, he often played the role of a toddler who got in the way of everything without thinking, acting fussy when he didn't get his way, and was scolded whenever he ate Kermit's property during lectures. Ironically, in these early appearances, Cookie seemed somewhat scary to younger viewers as he personified the childhood fear of being eaten by a monster. A defining moment in Cookie's evolution was a skit written by then-head writer Jeff Moss in which the googly-eyed monster kept nipping at Ernie's milk and cookies. Another breakthrough, according to John Stone, was a game show sketch where the winning contestant, who was actually a different furry blue monster, chose a cookie over other luxurious prizes. Ultimately, this craving would be fully integrated into his character and his name by the second season. With that, Cookie Monster quickly became one of the most popular and beloved characters on the show. Cookie Monster's theme song, C is for Cookie, is one of the most famous songs from Sesame Street and probably beyond, too. A little bit of trivia, Cookie Monster has devoured hundreds of cookies in his 40-plus years on Sesame Street. However, the cookies used on the show are not really cookies at all. Prop makers instead used rice crackers, which are painted to resemble cookies instead, as the oils from actual food would be damaging to the puppet. He's also a letter of the alphabet. So just a little bit of Cookie Monster there. One of my favorite things, J.D., about Cookie Monster, and I'd be interested to know some of yours too, um, when I got the opportunity to speak to Sesame Street artist Lewis Henry Mitchell, uh, still one of my absolute favorite people I've ever met in the Muppet community, if you walk into his office in Sesame Studios, it's full of these uh, of, of cookie monsters everywhere you look. He's got plush cookie monsters and little PVC action figure cookie monsters, and he's drawn cookie monsters all over the place. And like this is a man with an obsession. And so, of course, I had to ask him when I got the opportunity to speak with him, like, okay, dude, 
What's with all the cookie monsters? Why do you like this character so much? Anyone who's focused on one particular character, you have to ask them that question. That's just one of the things that makes them an interesting, you know, individual. And what he said was actually something that really has stayed with me for a long time. Cookie Monster, to him, and now actually to me too, really personifies passion in life. Cookie Monster is passion incarnate. He loves cookies. His whole life is focused on attaining more cookies. He knows who and what he is, and he pursues it with reckless abandon. And he's really funny about it, too, and that's you know something that really makes him endearing and something that, that we all love him for. But he, Cookie Monster is knowing who you are and just going after it. Mm, yeah, mm. Uh, what? Huh? Hmm? What happened? I, I fell asleep after you decided that an episode of the Muppet Madness podcast should be set aside for a long history segment. Oh, oh, well, that's okay. Uh, it's your turn to talk now. You Now you get to tell me why you love Elmo so much. Oh, um, well, you see, I think Elmo represents passion. <laughs> I think Elmo is about... Uh, knowing that everyone deserves love and then deciding whether people want that love or not, you're going to love them. <laughs> wow. Which, okay. admittedly, Woo. is a mildly terrifying thing to say, but... Just a little bit, yeah. That's, that's all I got. Okay. It's basically love people physically whether or not they tell you it's okay. That's Elmo. <laughs> Oh, from the University of Maryland campus, J.D. Hansel, everyone. <laughs> All right. Hey, I think it's time to uh, hit the phones, and I think we might have a call coming in from a friend of the show, it looks like. Uh, if you want to patch through our good friend, Impression of FrogFan76. Steven, are you there? Hello, Impression of FrogFan76. Yes, I am here in America and very, very excited to talk with you. I, I hear that, uh, well, I, first of all, I don't know if you've heard the news. Cookie Monster is the winner of the 2018 Muppet Madness Tournament. Are you, is, are you excited about that? Eh. Okay, I know it's not who you might have wanted it to be, but it's still... It's a great character, right? Cookie you Monster. You don't know who I wanted to win the Muppet Madness tournament. I am an individual. Okay. I could have wanted anyone, Stephen. Okay. Oh, really? Oh, a really impression of FrogFan76. Okay. Well, then, if you would please grace us with your pick for who you might have wanted to see win the 2018 Muppet Madness Tournament. Steve, do you not know anything about me? I am a very well-known and well-understood individual. I Mildred know. Huxtetter, uh, obviously. Exactly. That's How could you not have seen that coming, Stephen? I mean, that's, that's the name of your... By the way, how's the game show going? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. Steve, my game show days are behind me. That was what? another life. Whoa! Wow, hold on. Now... It hasn't been very long since we talked, but the last time that we talked, you, Impression of Frog Fan 76, were the host of the wildly successful game show, Guess the Answer. The answer is Mildred Huckstetter, but guess anyway. Uh, this was a, a huge sweeping sensation all across Singapore. You're telling me that that part of your life, those days are over? Steven, I don't know if you know how time zones work. But I am in a time zone very, very close to Jared Fekhlachas. And oh, that I... means it's actually been five years since I last spoke with you. Oh, my. Well, wow. Time flies when Singapore you're... Singapore is a part of Narnia. Oh, I was going to say time flies when you're in Singapore. I and okay. it is an island and a city and a state, a sovereign city state that's an island that's treated as a country. How many blocks wide is Singapore, would you say? Well... I mean, can you look out your window and just count for me real quick? All right, let's see. Um, 
About three. About three blocks wide. Okay. All right. So, uh, so if- except well, that's that's going one way. That's 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 go- if you go the other way, it's about ten thousand. Oh, that makes a little more sense. Okay. So, oh my gosh, you're no longer a game show host. What are you no. doing? What have you done in the past five years since we talked a couple weeks ago? Well, Stephen, I grew tired in all of these years of waiting and waiting and waiting for you to release my album. I know. So I purchased the rights to release my album myself. I released it independently. Ooh. Under a very sketchy label. (laughs) Hmm. Which we are not going to talk about. And I released it exclusively to Singapore. And now I am proud to tell you that I am the most popular Singaporean singing sensation. Really? Yes. Frogfan76, the Singaporean singing sensation. I sell like hotcakes. Wow. And Singaporeans eat hotcakes. Huh? That's, you learn something every day. What? So, so hold on. Now, you are, you're, you're telling me that you are the best-selling recording artist in all 30,000 blocks of Singapore. This is, okay, I was about to say this is amazing, but it, it's it's kind of like being the best singer like in your neighborhood, right? Yes, but that's not so bad because there are a lot of interesting people in your neighborhood. Like <laughs> like true. like the fireman, the grocer, the policeman, the, the mail carrier man lady person. Okay, this, you know, you, you got me there. You got me there. So... So then, oh, well, congratulations on all of your success impression of Frogfan76. So has this, and I, I just got to ask, so here we go. Has this improved your dating prospects, your luck with the ladies? Have you gotten a certain call back from a certain, um, I'm not going to say elderly. I'm just going to say retired, uh, certain lady whose fancy you have, uh, well, fancied through the years. Has it helped your status with Mildred Huckstetter at all? I think it's safe to say that she loves me now. I, I can't confirm it because she has never returned any of my phone calls, but it's a good estimate. It is a safe assumption. It is a safe assumption. I'll, I'll give you that. All right. Hey, Impression of Frog Fan 76, thank you for calling in. I'm glad you could be part of this celebration. Um, and I, I guess we'll talk to you in another uh, maybe a couple months or for you, uh, maybe 10 years or so. Uh, and we'll just see how life is treating you. Yep. So long. I'm on my way back to Singapore land. My homeland, my island, like I'm Moana. All right. Well, that was fun. JD, I wish you could have spoken to Impression of Frog Fan 76 again. I don't know why he just doesn't address you. That time I didn't address him. Okay. I I was getting him back. So you were, okay. You were giving him the, okay, that that makes sense. All right. Mm -hmm. So. Well, good for you mm-hmm. showing him. Good mm-hmm. on you. I, I like to see you standing up for yourself. So let's go ahead and move on with the next little bit of the show. Something I've been so excited to get to this. Folks, this has been another big moment of the whole podcast, this whole string of episodes leading up to this moment. Not only have we gotten to the winner of the 2018 Muppet Madness Tournament, but it is now time. You remember what we said we were going to do a few weeks ago? JD and I have mailed each other sealed envelopes because to mail an open envelope, well, it just invites a lot of bad behavior. So we have sealed envelopes here with the winner, our prediction, each of our predictions for the winner of this tournament. It is now time to open these envelopes and see if we were right. JD, do you you want to do the honors first? All right, let's... Or should I read yours first? I mean, you, you want to be monitored, or should I read yours? What do you want to do? I think I'm going to read yours first, Steve. Okay. Let's see. All right, here we go. Let's see just how wrong you are. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll just see about this. La La Land? No, Cookie Monster. <laughs> I got it right. I can't believe it. Well, I you I believed all the, the, I believed in Cookie, right? This... 
he was. I always said this was Cookie's year. He was my guy. He was my what prediction. What makes a miracle? What makes Cookie Monster win the Muppet Bandits tournament? Apparently, writing it on a postcard and sending it to this monster Hansel. can win Muppet Madness tournaments. I believe I'm done. Sorry. Okay, thank you, thank you. All right, time to open JD Hansel's envelope Ooh. here. We ready for this? So I can't wait to find out what it says. Are the, are the sound effects convincing, by the way? So, all right. Uh, yeah. We are looking at Boris Karloff. What are you even talking about? No, he wrote Cookie Monster. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We both predicted Cookie Monster. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations mm-hmm. to us. Yeah. We did it. We, we knew all along it was Cookie Monster's year. Man, we must have had... It's almost like we had that conversation before the tournament started. Almost. Almost like we must have rigged the whole game. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, enough about that. Steve, that that makes it sound like we did rig the whole game. We didn't rig the game, did we? we, No, we didn't rig the game. Okay. No, we did not rig the game. Uh, All right, so... If I was going to rig a game... uh, Let me tell you. Sorry, I made a Pop-Tart. Oh, yeah, yeah. If I was going to rig the game, I would rig it in favor of Guy Smiley or Don Music or the Ink Spots or Tamanella Grinderfall. We I, all know this. We we do all know this of J.D. Hansel, yes. Maybe in favor of Walter, maybe in favor mm. of Constantine, but probably Tamanella Grinderfall. I was going to say, Tamanella is... If I ever see Tamanella Grinderfall winning them up at Madness Tournament, that's, that's the year I will know mm. that J.D. set it up. Uh-huh. All right. Hey, J.D., by the way, exciting mm, yeah. moment now. I know we've had one of these after another, and I don't want you to get too too winded, too weary of oh. all these exciting, exciting things happening right now. But, mm. I, J.D., I know we've never had a Muppet Madness tournament winner actually appear on this show with us to celebrate their victory before. <gasps> And it's not happening this year either. But oh, okay. we did put our crack team of Muppet scientists on the task of analyzing, quantifying, and ultimately identifying the winner of our 2018 Muppet Madness Tournament Twitter Bracket Challenge, in which the listener who most accurately reflected the final outcome of the Muppet Madness Tournament would win a super cool, and until just a few moments from now, super secret prize... Unfortunately, since it was, as I said, a crack team of Muppet scientists, the entire lab evaporated into thin air, and the scientists were inexplicably all turned into chickens. So, the task of picking this year's winner ultimately fell to me, and after some careful analysis and consulting my own crack team of chickens, I have determined the winner. Are you ready for this? Okay. The Twitter user with the fewest incorrect answers and predictions, or... We're going to say that. The fewest incorrect ones of those things on his or her bracket is Chris Harris. Sam Harris? No, not Sam Harris. Chris Harris. His brother, Chris Harris. Oh, wow. Yes. So, congratulations once again to Chris Harris. You are the winner. Uh, I I don't know if you know how to get a hold of me, Chris, but uh, if you can, go ahead and reach out. And we have a super cool Muppet prize, which I guess will go ahead and reveal. Uh, JD, do you want to go ahead and, and reveal what Chris is winning? Chris Harris, we are very, very proud to announce. Your very own Muppet t-shirt! No, I'm kidding. He only has like No, 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 no. You, you already have enough of those, Chris. We think you already have enough of those. Uh, actually, what you are getting is a very special, one-of-a-kind, first-ever genuine... Signed picture of Cookie Monster himself, the winner of this year's Muppet <laughs> Hold Madness on. Tournament. Wait a minute. Was that? That's not what we... Well, Cookie Monster's going to sign a picture? No, 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 no. It won't be signed by Cookie Monster. Oh. No, no, no. This is going to be a drawing of Cookie Monster, oh, okay. which the artist is going to sign. I was going to get jealous for a minute. Well, I'm still jealous. That's pretty cool, but... Woo! Oh, yes, and by the way, the artist is actually none other than C.W. Roder. Which you heard his commercials in... If you've listened to the Muppet Hub podcast at Muppet Fans Talking, uh, he's, uh, well, his his famous tagline in his commercials, J.D., is what? Um, I can never remember. And that's it. That's <laughs> pretty much. Okay. Oh, and, uh, 
Anyways, uh, moving on. But that is the tagline that I like. I never remember the tagline in the commercial, Steve. This is true. No, this that is the tagline. It is don't forget to say the tagline like you always do. It's it's something really funny. In fact, let's yeah. go ahead and play the commercial right now. Oh, sure. Hi, I'm J.D. Hansel of MuppetHub.com. Do you need a design for a new character you've got bouncing around in your head? Do you need caricature work done that is funny but still flattering? Do you need a pastor who will officiate your marriage to a toaster? For that last one, I can't help you. No one can. But for the first two and other similar needs, I still can't help you. But I know someone who can. C.W. Roeder. That's right, C.W. Roeder spelled... Never mind, has been working at the art of caricature illustration and character design for nearly a decade, and has done work for such clients as ToughPigs.com, Bird Call the Musical, James Kemp Puppets, and me. What? No, not you, Charles Grodin. Me, J.T. Hanksleben. Although Roder has drawn a lot of characters from Muppet Productions, his style really does lend itself to puppet design and Muppet characters. But Roder has also trained himself to mimic the designs of other cartoonists, such as Charles Schultz, Jay Ward, Craig McCracken, and Chuck Jones. He's always open to commission work, and you can contact him at fishystudios419 at gmail.com, or find him on Facebook and Instagram at the art of C.W. Roeder. C.W. Roeder, don't forget to write the catchphrase like you did last time. Crap. Well, while we're on the subject of commercials, I would like to take just a little bit of time to thank our sponsors, Thomas and Ethan. I know that you're all already very, very familiar with Thomas and Ethan, their services. Um, they're just, they're, they're really world-renowned, so it seems, it would, it would be strange for me to have to explain to you who Thomas and Ethan, it would be like explaining what Coca-Cola is. So I'm not going to bother explaining Thomas and Ethan. No one should ever even try to explain Thomas and Ethan. Um, they're just a mystery of God, but we are thankful that such important, prominent performers in the field of entertainment today and in the field of advertising today uh, were kind enough to sponsor this show. They didn't actually give us any money. They just told us to air the commercials in this show, and so we're counting them as our sponsors. So, Thomas, Ethan, thank you both very, very much, and all of you should go visit their website at www. No dot com? No dot com. Huh. Okay. Well, Thomas and Ethan, yes, thank you so much. They were a huge part of getting this whole tournament off the ground. Uh, a lot of the seed funding came from Thomas and Ethan Enterprises, T as it is. And uh, we just can't thank them enough. So hopefully we'll be hearing more from them in the near future on the Muppet Hub podcast feed. Keep it right here in iTunes at Muppet Hub. And um, yeah, JD, thank you for uh, for sharing that. Of course. Anytime. Now, as we want to keep with kind of the more serious part of the show here, folks, mm. uh, I think it is time to, uh, and I'm glad he's he's just called in, so this is perfect timing. I would like to go now to, again, another time zone, another time, a simpler time, a time known as Australia, <laughs> and impression of Jared Fairclough. Happens to be joining us right now on Skype. Jared, are you there? Hello, Steve. Hi, Jared. How are you, mate? Man, I, I am so glad to hear your voice again. I don't know if you heard. Uh, this is probably now like two years ago in your time, but the 2018 Muppet Madness Tournament is over. It's done. We have a winner. Can you guess who that winner might be? Well, crikey, Steve. I just don't know. Well, it's Cookie Monster, as it turns out. Uh, I, I trust that you're probably happy about that. Oh, Cookie Monster, my old buddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just saw, I just I just saw him on th Thursday. Oh, really? How is he? How is he doing? He's fine. Yeah? He's doing great. We were hanging out at the bar, like we always do, because I'm such close friends with all the Muppets. Really? Now, He's what, doing really well. What does Cookie Monster, what, what's his drink at the bar? Well, he mostly eats the glasses. Oh, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Okay. Well, uh, Jared, I just wanted to, to pull you in and you know thank you for your involvement in the tournament this year. I know you really didn't add, well, really much at all, but I did want to thank you for calling in, and I wanted to give you uh, the heads up that Cookie had won. Now, it is interesting to me, though, that uh, because 
as you've mentioned, you are pretty good friends with Cookie Monster, right? Absolutely. We we were childhood friends. We grew up together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I hear about this all the time where you you know all these different Muppet characters and these these performers and everything and uh, I mean I, I do love it when you call because then we get to make fun of JD and we almost never get to do that around here but um, I, I did I'm curious about something Jared and it's a delicate question but I'm gonna go ahead and ask it anyway because you know all of these characters and especially Cookie Monster so well so why did you feel the need to call in today to, to do this on a podcast when if you know him and I'm, I'm not saying you don't uh, I'm not saying that, but if you do know him, why wouldn't you just call him and you know say congratulations? Why why come on here and uh, and do it like this? I I have his email address, and I might send him something later if I want to. I might not because I'm 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 not a kind person. Well, this is true. You're you're actually you're not very nice. Uh, you can be, but it's mostly when you're. I mean, I I enjoy the sound of impression of Jared Fairclough's laughter, but it's usually at someone else's expense, and so that's kind of the, the other side of that coin. But but it is it is nice that you wanted to, again, I mean, you say you haven't even called him yet. Uh, you, you tell me that you were hanging out with him, uh, and then you kind of backtracked and said, well, you have his email address. So I get that you're coming on here to brag about how well you know Cookie Monster and you know tell him congratulations, but again, I do wonder, you know, if if you know Cookie Monster as well as you do, if you're if you're going to call him later on, or you know, just really what the story is there. You know what? All that matters, Steve, is that I know Cookie Monster better than J.D. Hansel. That's what matters, and that's the picture you're not getting. So mm. you know what? I'm done. I am what? done. What? What? I'm hanging up. Oh, no. Goodbye, Stephen. Well, the dubious honor of talking to impression of Jared Fairclough from ImpressionOfMuppetMindset.com. Do go check out Jared and his efforts in his writers, in his stable of celebrity friends over there. Good times and looking forward to the real Jared Fairclough coming back on the show. Clough? At any point. Fairclough? Oh, Fairclough. Sorry, I <laughs> get that wrong. Anyways, let's take a look at some more listener feedback. This segment went really well last time, so I figured we might do it again just to clear out the old email inbox for this year. Uh, let's see. Yes. No. Three. Uh, there's no official evidence that that ever happened. Uh, and, oh, Clarissa, tell your friend it's called The Muppets Take Manhattan, not the Muppets do New York. I mean, that for the last time. Goodness. Oh, my gosh. The some emails that you listeners don't understand. The emails that we get are some of the emails that have been written. And it's, I mean, there's just no other way to say that. It's true. So It's true. All right. Um, hey, I figure let's, let's since we've, we're pulling in everybody, we're pulling in the whole cast for this final wrap-up episode of the 2018 Muppet Madness podcast, let's go one more time to our esteemed, most knowledgeable, deeply introspective, always get a good message out of this guy, let's go over to the Muppet Madness historian, shall we? Yes, yes we shall. A L- little bit of wisdom. Here we go. easy being stuck in a Muppet Madness tournament year after year. And it's not that easy being the Muppet Madness historian having to come up with things to say in every single episode, except that one. And it's not that easy thinking of things to say that aren't easy. And it's not that easy being stuck in traffic on the 405 when your exit is right up there, and you told Denise you'd be there ten minutes ago, and now it's, um, well, never mind. This concludes our lesson in Muppet Madness history. Have a good... Huh. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna miss that guy. I'm not. Somehow... I miss him already. Yeah, all right, so do I. 
whole nother year until we see <sighs> until we see him again. Man, I yawn every time I hear him. I don't know why. Hey, anyways, this is just about the end of the show, but as it is a Steve Swanson production, and I haven't gotten to do this yet this year, and I always miss doing this. I figured, hey, we have a winner. We're celebrating Cookie Monster. It's a celebration of all things Cookie. So I think it's time for the Muppet Montage, a celebration of Cookie Monster songs. Here we go. Okay, all you cats and kitties, it's time for a little addition. Can you dig it? Here we go. Now, adding is putting together. Mm-hmm. Adding is just what you do. When you have one cookie, and I have one cookie, together they add up to two. One cookie and one cookie make two cookies. One and one is two. That's two. Woo! Yeah, out of sight. Adding is putting together. And I'm sure you will agree If you have two cookies Add one more cookie The answer will always be three Two cookies and one cookie make three cookies Two and one is three Oh! Woo! Dig it! Together, adding is making it more. Just take those three cookies, add one more cookie. This time the answer is four. Three cookies and one cookie make four cookies. Three and one is four. Hey, cookies, hey, what you doing? Uh, I'm singing about addition. Why you not sing about subtraction? Subtraction? Yeah, sure, I'll show you. Subtracting is taking away from... Oh, subtracting is my kind of fun. Now listen, see. When you have four cookies, and I see four cookies, I subtract them and leave you with none. See, Four cookies minus four cookies is no cookies. And now our song is done. <laughs> and so the cookies. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Out of sight. Yeah. Oh, me know it true. That be so blue when you far away and you not stay in view. But then again, me just as blue when you standing so near and me right here with you. Me got to be blue. Me got to be blue. What else can me do? Me wish me do, but me haven't a clue. Me got to be blue. Now you know it, not you. Who make me blue? And me sing this song to pass along the news. Yeah, my mom, you see, see. she got blue family. Family. She give all she worth just to give birth to blues. Oh, get it? Me got to be blue. Me got to be blue. Me and me sister too. She may be blue with two monsters. Gotta be blue Once more with feeling Me got to be blue Me got to be blue
C. Cookie starts with C. Let's think of other things that starts with C. Uh, ah, who cares about other things? C is for Cookie. That's good enough for me. C is for Cookie. That's good enough for me. C is for Cookie. That's good enough for me. Oh, Cookie, Cookie, Cookie starts with C. Oh, C is for Cookie. That's good enough for me. C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. Oh, cookie, cookie, cookie starts with C. Hey, you know what? A round cookie with one bite out of it looks like a C. A round donut with one bite out of it also looks like a C. But it is not as good as a cookie. Oh, the moon sometimes looks like a C, but you can't eat that. So. C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. Yeah, C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. Oh, cookie, cookie, cookie start with C. Yeah, cookie, cookie, cookie start with C. Oh boy, cookie, cookie, cookie start with C. Um, See, I miss doing those Muppet montages. Isn't that great? That's so much fun. Hey, congratulations again to Cookie Monster for winning the 2018 Muppet Madness Tournament. I'm your host, Steve Swanson, here with J.D. Hansel. And J.D., since we are kind of at the end of the show here, I thought maybe we might want to take a few minutes and talk just briefly about how this tournament came together this year. I mean, this has been a lot of fun. It's been a couple years since we've done this. And, um, you know, we, we, we maybe we just kind of open the curtain a little bit and show the audience behind the scenes. What do you say? Sure, absolutely. That sounds great. So, so guys, I think you listeners need to know that, well, behind the scenes, secretly, I'm not actually real. I'm performed by Matt Vogel. So, <laughs> see, here's the thing. This is Here's what I love about that bit. Steve and I have done that a million times. Oh, and my yet gosh, it yeah. makes Steve laugh every time. <laughs> I don't know why. Because I'm not convinced it isn't true. So, <laughs> that's one reason it makes me laugh. No, I, you know, we 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 kind of have some fun, especially on the Muppet Fans Talking podcast, yeah. the, the other main production, uh, where you know we talk about Matt Vogel and him taking over. He is a hugely, hugely talented performer. Um, I mean, no joke about that. He's in, he's incredible. But he also performs so many characters, and we might have remarked once or twice that the new Kermit the Frog sounds a little, uh, well, sleepy. I'm just going to say, he could use a nap. And I think we say that because, well, Matt performs so many characters that he never gets to sleep. So we, we say that lovingly in the hope that Matt, de- Matt one day uh, gets the rest that he so richly deserves. He really does. He really does a lot of performing and a lot of directing. And I truly don't know how he manages to say, uh, stay so energetic when he's doing something like Below the Frame. Um, and yet, yeah, sometimes Big Bird and Kermit do seem a wee bit sleepy. Um, I think that, uh, Steve, you feel far more strongly about that than I do, just so we're all yeah. clear here. We, yeah, I uh, am and, totally fine with what Matt Vogel is doing. Steve right, thinks right, it's right. sleepy. And right. JD I, still wants to work for the Muppets someday. I've given up on that, so I can say whatever I want, you <laughs> he see. He can. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but when Steve goes in that direction, sometimes I like to play along because the results are funny. It, it leads to doing funny voices. So I'm trying to remember how we came up with doing this bit with the historian because... Um, we well, I mean, to... obviously, it stems from Steve Whitmire's departure, his swift departure. But how from did the we land on that? That's the thing. How did we get from historian how did we get the to historian? Whitmire? Because because he, well, he's the historian is one of the few consistent characters that we do in in putting the podcast together. So he's really only one of the one of the only characters that we could do that kind of a bit with and have a little bit of fun commentary on, you know 
a Muppet character suddenly departing, and then a new one coming in, swooping into place because he's got to be there, he's got to be doing stuff, and, you know, the kind of spoofing various fan reactions and attitudes about that and no I, I think that was that was very fun but it was it was actually your idea no I, I think I, I remember what started this you you came to me saying I think this year we need to have a new Muppet Madness historian and I'm like why is that I love doing the old Muppet Madness voice it doesn't make much sense to have a new one but you really wanted to try something new so it seemed to me that if we were going to replace the old Muppet Madness historian we were just going to have to have him like be fired or something and then that's when I think it hit us. Let's see if we can have the historian be fired in a way similar to Steve Whitmire's firing. And so at some point, this was like months ago. This was like oh yeah, we January, folks. We, we started planning this. Actually, yeah, and I can tell yeah. you, we started planning this on New Year's Day. Really? Because I yes, because I remember exactly where I was, and that's where I was on New Year's Day. So you and I were on the phone, and I was trying to convince you that it was a good idea to do a tournament. I think I had to maybe sell you on that a little bit, and uh, that was maybe part of one aspect that would make it a little more fun this year instead of just, you know, because we, we always try to do, well, more recently, we've always tried to do themes for these tournaments. Like a couple years ago, we did the election, which, by the way, I don't know if Cookie has now unseated uh, Uncle Deadly as the, I don't think he has. I mean, the president is still the president. I don't care who wins the Super Bowl. So, you know. I'm not I, sure I, I how that works. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to consult with Deadly's uh, camp on that. But according to my records, on New Year's Eve we may we were, yeah, on New Year's Eve we were definitely talking about the tournament and discussing how we were going to do it. Um, you have records on that? Oh boy. What I do have records of, <laughs> I don't think I have any record of that exactly. But what I do have a record of is somewhere around January thirtieth. Uh, very late at night, I was on the phone with you, and I think that's when we had the historian conversation because that's yeah, we, when we I tend immediately... to get a lot of our good ideas really late at night. Yeah. yeah, it was. I think it was right after that when we started going back and forth, joking about how we were going to uh, approach the new historian. You said you wanted a new one. I said, "Wouldn't that mean firing the old one?" And that's when I thought of doing the doing every episode. A little bit differently to sort of chronicle the different stages in this first everything seems normal right, then he's yeah. inexplicably absent and you're promising there'll be a new one then the new one doesn't come in time i call you out on it saying it's never going to happen then there is the new one and it sounds pretty different the fans don't have enough material to gauge it by but hate it anyway um, then we all start to get used to it for no apparent reason um, and then of course finally we had to top things off with the old guy doing sad crying interviews um and I think which, that by the way, do you, do you want to uh, credit your the uh, the interviewer yes. in that segment? Yeah, I got my friend Christian Merkel, who's an actor I know. He does uh, some theater. I asked him if he would be kind enough to lend his voice talents so that we could bring in a, a different person to do the interview to make it feel more authentic. Um, I mean, if it was just Steve doing it or just me doing it, I don't think it would have had the same effect. So we wanted it to feel like a proper interview with a proper interviewer. And I'm well, happy I think with we've that, all that also out. established that I am terrible at impersonating other people. You know, so. okay, so let's talk about <laughs> let's that. Let's talk about Thomas and Ethan, shall let's we? Let's talk about Thomas and Ethan, because <laughs> that is, I, I truly have no explanation for Thomas and Ethan. I think it was, uh, again, You pitched to, me uh, that when I was driving home from San Bernardino. And you read me the first script from the the impressions of British persons, and I'm driving my car, crying, laughing so hard at this stupid idea. I I hope you guys liked it. I hope you thought it was funny because we think it's hilarious. It's I I hope we have I I hope we have outtakes from that because there has never been there somewhere. I, I hope so, yeah, because I don't think there's ever been a bit that you and I have struggled so much to get through. We really couldn't get through two lines of this thing without laughing every time. No, we lost no, it. we couldn't. Um, no, and so it was crazy. I, I, I woke up one morning in September with this idea. I, I think I, I, had, I must have gone to sleep trying to think of something funny we could do for the podcast that would just be really, really random. What were the most random people I could connect to I could just mention I could just bring up at random in an episode um and how would I do that and I woke up the next morning 
And at, for some odd reason, Thomas and Ethan came to mind. I'm just a man writing a flaming pie said Thomas and Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just this strange monotone back and forth conversation. Um, and so I would try to read it to people and I would lose it laughing. I may have actually read it for uh, the, our winner, Chris Harris, before I read it to you, Steve. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I was sitting on it for a long time because I was a little bit insecure about some of the details. I'm trying to find the original script here. Um, it's just such a ridiculous premise, and I think that's part of it. And it's kind of that Monty Python style of humor, not just because it's British, but because it's very linguistically driven. And, yeah, it's, it's I mean, all not, about the performance. Not everyone is going to dig it. Not everyone's going to think no. it's all that funny. But I think a certain breed of cat does think that's funny, you and I being among them, and I think probably other people listening, too. Uh, and I don't know that I want to give away where Thomas and Ethan are going in the future, but I think it does suffice to say that they are uh, exploring other enterprises coming up very yeah. soon here. Uh, yeah, yes. we've we've sort of been thinking about that. We, it's but hard you to, will it's, be doing the characters from now on. I had yeah, one go so, at it, and it just... I don't know. Well, you know, the thing is, I can do a decent British impression. But I can't do that one because you want it done. And, I mean, it's your character, you know, so it's good. But you want it done very monotone, very deadpan, and a very specific way. And I can't quite do that. Well, you've talked I can't about- even do that good of a Jim Henson impression we also established, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's true. This was an interesting but, experiment. But Jim in has certain you- words. What? Jim has certain words. Like if you say, Billman Television. And like tell the way he says television, like there's just certain little beats that if you can get those, I mean, it doesn't sound like Jim Henson, but you get that I'm trying to be Jim Henson. This I I really feel like these podcasts were sort of an experiment to see what would happen if you tried to do my job of doing some voices. If we both tried to do this same thing, you see why I, I never never did this on the Muppet Cast. I get it now. I understand yeah. now. Well, it's it's you got to play your strengths. At one point, you told me um, that I would be doing most of the voices for this show, or just just for this series in general, because as you said it, um, that's not a note on your piano. It's not a note on my piano. And every time when we were talking about ideas on the phone, and you started doing like impression of Frog Fan seventy six, and it was amazing, just out of the gate without any prep. And I'm again just laughing so hard at you doing this and the idea of. Not including Frog Fan 76, but doing an impression of it and calling it Impression of Frog Fan 76. I love the ridiculousness of that. Wait, how did we come to that? Well, how I did... think we, we, were, we were talking about, could we reach out to the performer of Frog Fan 76 and say, hey, can you come back and do this? But uh, I know that that individual is very, very busy right now and would not have the bandwidth to do it. But gee, we really wanted to have Frog Fan seventy six, yeah. and then I think you just started doing it. Is that and like, oh my god, we can't we can't say he's Frog Fan seventy six, right? But we can say impression of Frog Fan seventy six. Maybe that and that's is exactly how it happened. Did. Yeah, maybe I'm pretty that sure. Is how it I don't happened. think I have the tapes from that conversation still, JD. But, I don't uh, think so. No, no, I don't think no. so. But and then Singapore got into the mix. I may have already mentioned this on the show. Just because... This has been a silent running thread through everything. I love uh, this. Huh? It, well, it started with the Frog Fan Show. It just... Someone I know from my internship is from Singapore. And she would frequently talk about, well, Singapore. And certain differences between the U.S. and Singapore. And it occurred to me that that's a very, very random country. And so as we were ad-libbing the Frog Fan 76 thing, which I was really worried about, I was I was concerned that I wasn't going to have any material and I was just going to be, I like Mildred Huxtetter! And that's not very funny. Um, so I, I actually had to sit here in silence while the mics were going, just waiting for something to hit me. And then it's like, Singapore, I can run with this. What is he doing in Singapore? Game show. Okay, what kind of a game show would FrogFan76 have? Something about Mildred Huxtetter. Then that I could work with. And that makes sense because with Singapore, generally speaking, their media is actually produced by their government and is very government controlled. Um, So they would easily be controlling what stayed in their country and what didn't get out of their country. Generally speaking, if there's something that they wouldn't want getting out of their country, it simply wouldn't get made. So this is a little bit unrealistic. Um... But it's more realistic than if it was in a, a 
country where all of the television was, you know, free market. So it, it kind of worked. It kind of worked making it about Singapore. So then it's like, all right, for the next Thomas and Ethan, I think what I had in the script was North Korea, South Korea, Middle Korea, Middle Korea, no wait, I meant to say Vietnam. And then at one of my, as I was reading through it at one point, I'm like, you know what, let's keep it consistent. I'm going to do Singapore instead of Vietnam. So that kind of worked. It kind of made for a nice little running gag. Um, and then you just, for this show, came up with Singaporean singing sensation. What a wonderful line, Steve. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That was, that was yeah, most of the stuff. Well, and it's the kind of thing that FrogFan76 would say. Like, he's, he's an interesting character because you can kind of get in the mind of that character and play if you know, I mean, he loves Mildred Huckstetter. He's very, very clever. He's very quick on the uptake, and he likes saying silly things. And so, okay, that would work. Frog fa- impression of frog fans, Singaporean singing sensation. Yeah, I think that's hilarious. Let's do that. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So. As, as for how we landed on doing the tournament the way that we did it, I think... That was what, me twisting your arm. Pretty much. The whole time, yes. But more or less. I mean, eventually I got into it. You did. Because, oh, yeah. Because the, the back and forth started with, if we're going to do this, my question was, how are we going to do it differently? Um, because I've always had this urge to just have more fun with it and go go crazy with it, do something really, really out there, something very different from what we've done before. Whereas you were interested in bringing it back to something more like what it was um, in the first couple of years. And that's just what we did. It's a more traditional game, yeah. Um, by and large. It's just I wanted to see if we could add more characters, so I thought about that for a while, and we decided on the structure that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still very, very similar to what we did the first but year. But it spawned fact, an idea for you to uh, take this idea and branch off, and there's going to be more than just the Muppet Madness tournament as a Muppet game this year, right? Yeah, if all goes well, and if I have the time then I think I'm going to be leading point on this new project of trying to get, I think we'll be calling it the Muppet Games going. That's going to have to be another five, six, seven months away, I think. Well, maybe less than that, but probably something like that. Um, yeah. We need some time to recover from this because this, believe it or not, was Ooh. exhausting. Um, yes, but it always I, is. Uh, but I think that we can find a way to do something more experimental um, and more playful for the games that's different from the tournament um, and still keep the tournament standardized. Um, and do something more classic. So actually, this year was, I think, the first time we'd had a final four that you voted from instead of the the last two. Um, the first time we did that, except for 2010, the first Muppet Madness tournament. There was no final two characters in uh, the first tournament. I think a lot of us have forgotten that. So this really was, in many respects, a return to form. And eventually, I really got into that idea. And so well, I, I, I will say where you really twisted my arm, Steve was with bringing the main characters into this again and the past winners into this. You wanted, like, every past winner back here. We came close to having a two-time champion. Uh, We really did. Would have made history. And to me... Would have gotten him where he wanted to go. uh, To me, it's just never really made a lot of sense to bring those characters back because, as we've seen this time... Characters who won before can can win again easily enough, and then it could get boring after a while. So I think part of why I've been so inclined to move in the direction of of the games, of something a bit, well, crazier, is to make sure that things stay shaken up and we're not getting the same thing happening again. Um, But I think we all knew that we could get away with this, that we could include these characters because it was Cookie Monster's time because he had not had a shot, and I trusted that the fans would understand that if you really want to keep the tournament interesting, you got to elect somebody new. Um, And it looks like people understood that. It looked like, by and large, the players got that it was time for someone like Cookie, who's been waiting for a long time, to finally go again. So I'm I'm happy with how this tournament went, by and large. Poor Fozzie. He came in last. Yeah, I was uh, surprised At least he made it to the... I mean, it was... Let's see. So it was Cookie... And then following kind of closely behind, without looking at the website right now, was Kermit. Uh-huh. And then it was Fozzie. And then it was Grover. Grover came in last. Really? But but he came back for the finals, at least. So, you yeah. know, good for him. Well, again, Grover's already won. Fozzie is also one who's probably had it. I mean, it, he... Yeah. He's a stronger character than we realize. He could have taken this he's one. He's a strong character, but... 
Yeah, well, he'll have his shot next time when uh, Cookie Monster is no longer there to block him and we take away all few, all uh, past winners and give everybody a clean shot who's in there, right? Do we have to do the tournament again, Steve? We just, it was so exhausting this time. I know, I don't even want to think about doing another one, but... And yet uh, somehow by November we'll be like, yeah, let's do it again. Hey, let's do that again. That was a great idea. Yeah, yeah I know. So... Yeah, folks, keep an, eye, keep an eye out for the upcoming Muppet Games. May the odds ever be in their favor, I guess. And is there any more that you've got over there on your side that you want to talk about? Well, I am very happy to announce one thing not really related to uh, the podcast necessarily or to... He's getting married, folks! No, 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 oh. no, no. No, no. Well, no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Something that's even more exciting than that. Uh, Here at the University of Maryland in College Park, Maryland, we've been working on setting up some Jim Henson-related events. So, what I'd like you all to know about is three little events that are actually sort of just two that we have going on. First of all, well... Uh, well, really, start. it's just one event. <laughs> it's no, it's it's more events. I'm 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 going to start with what's happening later and then move to what's happening uh, sooner. I'll do this backwards because I'm a very strange person. So on May second and third, we are going to have Karen Falk. That's right, Karen Falk from the Jim Henson Company and the Jim Henson Legacy. She's the director of archives for the Jim Henson Legacy. That's pretty groovy. Is that groovy? Let's confirm. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she she's coming here to to UMD. She will be on campus um, at the Clarice Performing Arts Center on May second, and at the old Greenbelt Theater in Greenbelt, Maryland, just down the road, on May third. And what will she be doing? She will be presenting uh, Jim Henson's Commercials and Experiments, which is a program that the Jim Henson Legacy created years ago. But they've just revised it. They've changed some of the material, and they've remastered everything in nice crystal clear HD. So in the past, I think Craig Shemin has given this presentation. Um, Well, Craig was unavailable. Karen was available. Karen is here and is a very, very smart and cool and knowledgeable person who I like a lot. And we're very, very happy that she's going to be giving this fun Henson presentation with some rare material that even you diehard fans maybe have never seen before. So this is a great opportunity to Uh, learn some new stuff about Jim Henson and see some of his rare footage. And then, really before that, in just a few days on Wednesday, Wednesday the 25th, yes, Wednesday the 25th, we will have Brian J. Jones on campus. He's the author of Jim Henson Biography, a book I presume you all have and have all started reading, but it's like really long, so you will finish it eventually. It is. Um, Get the audiobook. Oh, yeah, the audiobook is really good, actually. That's how I did it. Yeah, that's the way. The audiobook is really good. Definitely go that route. Um, But the book is really well written, and that's why it makes a good audiobook. So we're really happy to have Brian J. Jones coming. What will he be doing? Basically, I myself will actually be hosting this event. I'm going to sit down, talk with Brian J. Jones, and probably also talk with uh, the professor here at UMD who teaches the Jim Henson course. And we're going to try to take an academic look at Jim Henson's life, looking at some of the uh, economic, technological uh, factors, the, the industry changes in television, film, and entertainment at large that would have affected Jim Henson's Uh, life and career that would have made it what it is. We're going to be looking at turning points in the history of the entertainment industry like HBO Originals with Fraggle Rock, TV Syndication, uh, which is what empowered The Muppet Show. All of these different things, all of these different parts of media, we're going to study that sort of stuff in relation to Jim Henson to make for uh, uh, probably a pretty different approach to Jim Henson's life and work than most people are used to hearing, at least in the Muppet world. This is different. This is not the way that the Henson Company normally talks about Jim Henson. This is the way that academics do it. And we're hoping which this is, is why be, J.D. Hansel is hosting it. Which is it. why J.D. Hansel is hosting it. Yes. And this, we're hoping, is going to be the start of a lot more uh, research-based academic projects focused on Jim Henson at the University of Maryland and a lot of just fun, muppety events at the, Jim, at the, at the University of Maryland. We really are hoping to make this space a hub of henson entertainment and fun oh a henson hub oh okay yeah (laughs) well it's uh, for those of you who don't know 
Jim Henson graduated from the University of Maryland in 1960. This is where he was when he made the first Muppet Show. And in fact, where... J.D. is sitting in the very dorm right now. Where... No, I'm not. Never mind. I don't think that's true. But... No, I'm not. I am not in a uh, dorm. And Jim so Henson that's going to be almost... a big Jim Henson event almost for you. I mean, you're campus. you're hosting a, a big talk here. I'm with actually Brian. hosting an event. You're going to be really on stage in front of everybody with Brian J. Jones, and it... you're going to have to look really smart and intelligent and say a lot of smart things. I know it's terrifying. I are I you will... really really nervous about this, J.D.? I am. But I've come to the conclusion that if I need to sound intelligent, I will just do an English accent. Oh, okay. That's true. That that usually does work. I, I'll so. sound like John Cleese. How about that? Problem solved. Okay. Well, looking forward to that. Um, and that of course, as we all know, really, really cool. as we all know, John Cleese talks like this all the time. Yes, he does. See, I can't even do it. Like. I can't do <laughs> I it, JD. I told you, if you just go more in the direction of like a Ringo kind of thing. No, no, no. But you see, Ringo, he talks with a lot of inflection in his voice and you didn't want any inflection. That's that's not even Ringo. I can't. <laughs> I give up. I give up, JD. I right. know. It's, it's a, don't worry. I'm here. The next time someone's doing a Jim Henson Masterclass... I will jump in and I'll be Jim Henson. Oh, no. Now my gym is starting to sound like Matt's Oh, permit. no. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Oh, it's getting... It's spreading. It's spreading. Well, it sounds like we are at the end of the show. Would you I agree? Think so. All right. Well, JD, so. as always, uh, I just want to say it's a privilege to present the Muppet Madness Tournament with you. I think events like this make us uh, step up our creative game to give Muppet fans something to have some fun with. It brings out the best in the Muppet fan community. And might I say the best in you and I as well. And, of course, we are the best in the Muppet fan community. Who are we? Well. That's why I have the biggest social media following out of all the Muppet fan. No, I don't. It rivals Cookie Monster. No, only the Muppet mindset has the biggest following. Well. Out of all the Muppet fan sites. No, impression of Muppet mindset. Impression of Muppet mindset is huge. No, no, you're right. That That is huge. Yeah. Um, so anyways, like I said, I've had a great time producing these shows and doing something uh, a little different than our normal kind of thing, J.D. Yes, it has been a very pleasurable experience for me, too. It has. But uh, now I think I'm ready to go back to being mean to each other and doing our normal kind of show again. Yep. I'm I'm with you. OK, good, good. You're a you're a jerk. And folks, we'll see you again on an all-new Muppet Fans Talking Podcast. Make sure to tune in to MuppetHub.com, the Muppet Hub iTunes feed. Wait, when's that going to be? I don't remember agreeing to produce this soon. <laughs> Can we There'll wait? be a new one out next week, folks. J.D. No. Hansel has promised no. a string, a series of new Muppet Fans Talking Podcasts coming out very, goodbye, very soon. Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, <laughs> goodbye. All right. Hey, thanks again, everyone. We'll see you soon. Yay!